Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. What's up, everybody? This is Ron Scalzo from Return to Earth and Q-Ball. And you are hanging with the sexy gentleman of Talking Metal live or not so live, depending on where you're from. Or when you're listening. What's up? This is Dave Navarro, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Devin Townsend from Strapping Young Lad, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Herman Z. German Werber. You're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Amanda Somerville, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hi, everyone. This is K.K. Downing of Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal, so you know what to do. Crank it up. Hi, this is Ian Hale from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Everybody, this is Rob Halford, the Metal God from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. I am Dan Lorenzo from the Cursed Hades Nonfiction and Who Knows What Else, and I love the show Talking Metal, which is what you are listening to right now. This is Michael Grant with Endeavor Raster, and you're listening to Talking Metal. What's up, Rubbin' X? This is Billy Milano from SOD and MOD, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Talking Metal. <laughs> From Smith's Bar in New York City, Midtown Manhattan, this is Talking Metal Live. Tonight's guests, Amanda Somerville and Q-Ball from Return to Earth. And now, here's your hosts, Mark and John. Wow, a live, yo, a yo, live, yo. A live intro on the, what was supposed to be Talking Metal Live, uh, Bionic canceled on us uh, tonight at the last minute. It was minute. a death in the family, and we're very sorry about anybody who dies. Yeah. Uh, although it kind of is strike two against Bionic after they Correct. lost the right. uh, the last episode. Accidentally deleted. Uh, Frankie Benelli interview. Todd Youth. A lot right. of great stuff lost. And we have our friend Ed in uh, Kentucky. 
this guy's worked with the FBI and everything. He's currently trying to recover the files. Excellent. Here's we what he has to say. We got the top people on this. <laughs> yeah. Here's what he has to say. Bud Friendly, feel free to put a drink on my tab for that wonderful intro. Yes, thank you, Bud Friendly. Beer for sure. Uh, anyways, Ed types in, hey, Mark, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Ed. I've spent the last few days finishing up a project that had me out of town every day, so I haven't begun to look at the drive yet. I also need to get a SCSI card from one of my partners to put into the, my system so that I can boot the drive up. It's been so long since I've needed that stuff that I've sent it all to the recycling center. Uh, he goes on to say he's going to get to it soon. Um, I'm pretty sure it's gone, but, Ed, if you can recover this, man, you are a genius. I think yeah. you're a genius to begin with, but you are really a genius if you're going to recover this. Yeah, and he goes on with some technical stuff, but then he finishes up his email to me saying, anyways, I hope you had a good week, and I will keep you updated on my progress. I see that you have a couple podcasts up, so I will gladly listen to you guys this week. I was a Keel fan back in the 80s, so I'm looking forward to that interview. Cool. I have to say, I believe our cocktail waitress here at Smith's has both a cock and a tail. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Love it. Mark, I got a letter, too. You want me to read it really quick? Yeah, go ahead. You're not going to believe this. Remember the Fuse blog? Yes. Fuse blog. Bud Friendly remembers the Fuse blog, right? Oh, yeah, totally. He might be the only one, but he does remember it, yeah. We have a new letter to the Fuse blog, a new comment. <laughs> from what, 2008? Yes. It's from Waris, W-A-R-I-S, re received on the post MMA and metal. And I remember that post. It was Danielle who was on Talking Metal on Fuse. She was the person who liked Motley Crue. Do you remember her, Mark? Yes, I do remember her. She was an MMA person. And guess what this says? What does it say? Can I read it? Yeah, go, go ahead. I can't hear. I don't have headphones, so I'm a little bit out of it. It says, Dear Sir slash Madame. This is an actual comment on the Fuse website. We are paramount manufacturers and exporters of quality sports goods as well as sportswears. Boxing gloves, MMA wears, and shorts. And then it goes on to say that... Uh, they're from Pakistan, and if you want to contact them, it's at WaleedStaplesExports.com. <laughs> wow. Very So people from Pakistan are commenting on like the Talking Metal on it's Fuse blog. Comment. Yeah, I think it's a spam comment. See, I thought that was an actual fan. I yeah, guess not. No, I don't think so. No, no. Anyways, we're going to get into some music right now. Uh, just uh, earlier today, I hooked up on the telephone with Amanda Somerville. And we are going to get into an interview with her right now. This is... This is Talking Metal. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, did I jump my cue? <laughs> oh, boy. Things are a little out of hand here. The Yankee game was on. Did the Yankee game end? It's suddenly the football game's on. I don't know what happened. But uh, anyways, uh, we are at Smith's in Midtown Manhattan, 8th Avenue, 44th Street. This is If I Had a Wish by... Kiski Somerville, and then we'll get into my interview with Amanda here on Talking Metal.
On the line, we have Amanda checking in with us. Amanda, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing fine, thank you. And yourself? Oh, I'm doing really good, and I'm very excited by some of the uh, new material that you have coming out. I guess it's out already. I purchased it on iTunes last week. Your uh, new record with Mikhail Kiska. Can you tell us how you got involved with him? Well, thanks. First of all, uh, bless you for <laughs> purchasing the album. I'm really happy to hear that you that you like it. Yeah, I um, do. I'm really excited about it too. It's it's uh, it's great, and I mean to be you know featured alongside such a legendary voice in the scene. It's quite an honor. And how did you guys first meet up and decide to do this record? Actually, um, I was contacted by Matt Sinner. Um, to ask if I would like to do this duet uh, album with with Miguel, and um, so apparently, from you know what I heard after the fact, uh, it started out as an idea of uh, Serafino uh, Perugino, the the CEO of uh, Frontiers Records, right. 
and uh, who's always cooking up schemes for, for Michael to do, which is so cool, you know? I mean, that's basically a musician's dream, to have a label boss be your biggest fan and try and, you know, come up with these projects and stuff for you. So that's how that started, and um, they apparently had a list of uh, people that they that they would like to um, have, you know, try and get to, to sing with, with Michael, and uh, it ended up being me, so that's pretty cool. Very cool. And can you talk about who else is involved in the project? Yeah, well, um, Matt Sinner uh, from Primal Fear and, and Sinner, um, he did the, the, you know, he was the, the big head honcho, did all the uh, production side of things and wrote most of the songs. Um, then uh, Magnus Carlson. A uh, great guitar player, also co-wrote uh, a bunch of songs with Matt together and played guitar on the album. Um, let's see, uh, Martin Schmidt uh, played played most of the drums, and um, uh, Jimmy Kravitz did the keyboards uh, from Voodoo Circle, amongst amongst other things. And uh, then Sandra Thomas, um did some guitars as well and co-wrote three songs with me for the album as well. Cool. And I saw the videos on YouTube for uh, Silence and uh, If I Had a Wish, and they look great. And just wondering where you guys shot those. Is that like an old opera house or something? Yeah, that was so cool. That was the, the opera house in, in Nuremberg. And then uh, that was for silence. And then for If I Had a Wish, we were in an old uh, bathing hall, like an Art Deco, you know, turn of the century um, kind of deal with a huge, I mean, you saw those marble uh, staircases going up. And I mean, the, the place was ginormous, but it was also freezing. It was so right. cold. When you see when you see us shaking and, and you can see, you know, our, our uh, breath is crystallized in there, the, the clouds coming out from when we're singing. Oh, man, it was it was so cold. <laughs> and you are obviously American, but you are now living in Germany and have been there for quite a while. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, I bounced back and forth from, from Germany and the Netherlands mainly. Okay. What originally brought you from Michigan to Europe? Oh, I was a young, romantic girl in love. <laughs> and uh, so love brought me over to Europe, but I stayed because of uh, music. Because I met up with with Russia and uh, the rest of the guys at the Gate Studio. And uh, so that's what kept me over here. Cool. And, and so do you get back to the States that much? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm. I, I couldn't. I couldn't have done this all these years if I if I didn't. Um, I get home every every two to three months. I never let, you know. I think the longest I've ever gone is like four and a half months or something, which is like way too long for me. <laughs> because my my family and I are really close, and so right. um, you know, we. I mean, Skype only goes so far. The with the whole um video, you know, conferencing calls, whatever, it, it, it's a lot, it's a lot better. I talk to my, to my family every single day, but yeah, okay. I'm, I'm back every, at least two or three months. Great. I was reading on your website that you recently did something which, you know, here in America, Foreigner, one of the biggest FM rock bands of the seventies and eighties. And you recently did something with Lou Graham, uh, called rock meets classic. What, what was that all about? 
Oh, that was so cool. That was that was so great. Yeah, and Lou is a fantastic, fantastic person, and still a, a great musician. I mean, with all that he's been through. Well, that that was a um, a cool shindig actually. After Matt and I recorded um, all of the songs for the Kiss Cassandraville project, um, we hit it off so well, and and everything went so smoothly. He asked me to also be a part of this Rock Meets Classic, which he was in charge of. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, basically it featured uh, Dan McCafferty from Nazareth, you know, Love Hearts. Oh, yeah, um, him, then, then uh, Bobby Campbell from Toto, which, I mean, uh, how, how cool was it, you know, doing like Africa and Rosanna and Hold the Line and, and you know, those greatest hits from Toto. Classics. Um, yeah. And then Lou Graham also doing their Foreigner's Greatest Hits, um, accompanied by a rock band and a 30-piece uh, orchestra, the, the Prague Bohemian Symphonic Orchestra. So um, that was just really incredible. And, you know, I'm not... We're done, sure, you know, backing vocal work and stuff, but um, I've, I'm not in the position anymore where I necessarily need to go, go on tour as a backup singer. Right, <laughs> but right. I could not turn that down. No way, you know. And I'm going on tour with them again in January because it was just so much fun last time. And was this so, a tour, um, was, this, yeah. was this in the States or in Europe? This was in Europe. This was in Europe. Yeah, because so, I, I didn't um, remember it coming yeah. through the New York, New Jersey area. I'd love to see that. Oh, I I really wish that they would do it through North America because I think people over there would love it too. And, um, I mean, you know, everybody, everybody knows those songs. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they don't do it, but I guess it's just a, yeah, put on by a European company. And, uh, so they stick to their own territory, but, um, this time, uh, let's see, Dan McCafferty is, uh, on board. Bill Lou Graham is, Ian Gillen from uh, Deep Purple, awesome. and then Steve Lee from Godhard was supposed to be on the tour too, and so we were so upset, yeah. you know, when we got the news uh, of what happened to this accident. So um, I don't know what they're going to do about that, but in any case, it's uh, still bound to be, you know, a great tour coming up, and so that's, that's the Rock Me's Classic. Cool. Uh, now, you've done so much work with everybody from Epica to After Forever to Camelot. I mean, the list just goes on and on. What are some of your career highlights? If you could share one or two with us, that would be great. Oh, man. You know, I can't pick favorites. I, re- <laughs> I really can't. Everything is like, you know, they're all my kids. So um, each each band, each new artist or, who, you know, whatever project I've done, people I've worked with, they're all just, I guess, part of the puzzle, you know, it's like my, my path. Anyway, I grow, I learn, I'm, I meet new people. And, um, that's, that's the most exciting thing for me is just always having a new challenge and, and meeting and working with new people. And, you know, a lot of the times we got repeat customers, so that's cool because <laughs> you know, you're doing something right. <laughs> but, um, I, I have to say though, the um, the Aventasia tour <laughs> was like um, the tour with Epica and, and the Aventasia tour. 
oh, that that was just so fun. And um, I got to say, like, basically at the end of the Avantasia tour in 2008, I, I was I was on tour with Epica in North America for a month. That was like in uh, in April, May 2008. Then from June to August, I was on tour with Avantasia. So, I mean, it was like boom, boom, two huge tours back to back. And at the end of the Avantasia tour, we played Vakken. We were headliner for Vakken. And I mean, almost 100,000 people wow. singing along with you and waving their hands. I have to say that that was probably, um, yeah, one of the coolest things ever. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really looking forward to the Avantasia tour coming up again. And I was also reading on your uh, somewhere online that you do a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff too, like vocal coaching with a lot of different bands. Yeah, that started off as as vocal coaching. It really, I did more um, co-writing and producing than anything else. Um, mm. I kind of, you know, always laughed at the vocal coaching uh, title because I was I was just a glorified uh, cheerleader that would, you know, that would that would write songs with people. Right. So um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I've, I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, it's it's. Like I said, it's very fulfilling, and I've I've grown a lot as a person, as a musician. Um, I mean, I'm multilingual. It's it's, it's just uh, living over here and doing the the work that I've done is, is has been nothing but yeah, one one big long adventure. And uh, you know, I I uh, I'm, I'm fluent in German. I speak Dutch, Italian, wow. some Spanish. Um, so and and you don't have that, you know, if 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 you don't live over here and constantly work with the people and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I've done a lot of behind the scenes things from from you know the vocal coaching, engineering, uh, <sighs> recording people, you know, on the technical side anyway, and doing editing and and all the computer based uh, things that that are are. Uh, possible these days with pro tools and stuff and um producing and writing and and uh you know doing singing choirs and backing vocals and doing guest appearances and stuff i mean it's just i love it all i love it all and uh if it got to the point where i'd have to pick um uh it'd be tough (laughs) but it's a luxury problem i guess (laughs) now now when you were growing up who were some of your favorite singers Oh my gosh! Um, well, I'm a big dork, and I'm from a, a, a musical family, so I grew up. You know, my my family. Every time they would get together, we would have hoot nannies, and there was a lot of Peter Paul and Mary and John Denver and uh, Paul Simon. You know, Simon and Gar- Garfunkel being sung. So um, I grew up with that, and on my my uh, from my dad's side anyway, because he's a he's a folk uh, singer songwriter. And my mom is was like a, I don't know, she was like a, a a strange breed of like hippie and and rocker chick. She she listened to, um, you know, Black Sabbath and Jimi Hendrix and uh, you know, and Tar- Antonio Carlos Jobim. I mean, she was like right, all wow. over the board. So so I I grew up with with all kinds of stuff like that. And for my mom came the more, you know, rockier, I guess the the rock influence. But um, I never listened to metal until I started working, you know, with bands in the scene. So, yeah, it's kind of funny how you you end up in places that you don't necessarily ever plan on being. But um, I love it. 
And you also, I was listening to some of your other music online, and I mean, you also do a lot of music outside of the the metal genre. Um, Do you have any plans for another non-metal project or album coming up? Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm, I've been recording songs here and there for my next solo album, although I, I, I must say it's probably going to be a little bit darker than Windows was. Um, probably not any less eclectic, but um, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't work in this scene and not be heavily influenced by it. And uh, um yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not a poser or anything, you know. I'm not I'm not out there. I'm not going to any metal concerts or rocking it out to like you know Pantera in my free time or something. I, there are bands that I really like from the scene, but um, I I do love. I, I I have to say when I came over to the dark side, if if you <laughs> you don't want to put right. it, my mom says, <laughs> um, was when I did HDK with Sonic Holmes, um that was released last year. That was like the heaviest, the heaviest thing that I'd done thus far in my career, and um, I loved it. I loved it. They say in German, "You lick blood," which sounds disgusting, but (laughs) and it means you know basically once you've had a taste of it, you 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 want want. so um, yeah yeah. So I've been writing a lot of heavier, darker stuff um, in the last year or so. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to hearing that stuff, and we also encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to go to our show notes today on TalkingMetal.com and use the links to go to iTunes to download the Kiski Somerville album that uh, we've been talking about here today. So thank you so much, well, Amanda. great. Thanks a lot, Mark. And if we could get a Talking Metal ID from you saying your name and you are listening to Talking Metal. No problem. Sure. Are you ready? You bet. Hi, this is Amanda Somerville, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Great. Thanks so much, and thanks for uh, staying up late to call us. Oh, hey, no problem. This is early for me. Are you kidding? Okay. <laughs> thanks, Mark. You take care. Have a good night. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah. 
was Mikhail Kiske and Amanda Somerville with Silence. That's right. What a great tune. Yes. Uh, it was great to talk with Amanda and it seems like an interesting woman who has a lot of cool stuff going on in and outside of the metal world. <laughs> what are we listening to here? A uh, little uh, Miley Cyrus here at Smith's. Interesting choice. Uh, yeah, John can't hear me. I can. I, I got the headphones on ten, so I. I can. Maybe I should wear the headphones. Yeah, uh, I was just you know commenting. What you're I, was, I was commenting. Miley Cyrus playing here on the jukebox at uh, at Smith's. Anyways, Cue uh, Ball is now officially uh, Ron from Return to Earth. That is uh, coming up. Cue Ball. Minutes late from Return to Earth. And uh, yeah, so we will shut off the. Recorder here, the uh, Garage Band, and await Ron from Return to Earth. Hey guys, Astronomy here, coming from Smith's Bar, New York City. We are joined by our very special guest, Ron from Return to Earth. You guys may know him as Q-Ball. What's up? Just hanging out here with little Sean Kingston. Reggae rocking in the background, my favorite music. Sean Kingston all the way, baby. Cool. Ron, thanks so much for checking back in with Talking Metal. Uh, I was flipping I was flipping through the pages of Revolver magazine, and uh, there you were. A picture, article, everything. Return to Earth, have a brand new record out. Automata. Am I pronounce, pronouncing that right? That's very good. You have, I like how you, you enunciate the T, Automata. Basically, the pronunciation, though, is correct. Very European, yes. Very cool. Now, let's talk about this record. This is the second record, I believe, right, for Return to Earth, and refresh our memory as to who's in the band, and um, then we'll talk a little bit about the album. Uh, the first album was self-released on my label, Bald Freak Music, and the lineup consists of myself on vocals, uh, Chris Penny, who you may know from Coheed and Cambria, one of the founding members of Dillinger Escape Plan on drums, and my longtime friend uh, Brett Aveni on guitars. And we started making the second album in early 2010, actually late 2009 actually. We were prepared to release it on our own again. And uh, we decided, you know what, the record's a little heavier, it's a little more on the metal side of things than the first album was, a little denser, let's kind of shop it around a little bit. And one of the first people we brought the album to was Brian Slagle over at Metal Blade. 
and we got instant feedback from him that he really enjoyed it. He wanted to release it, so he said, "Let's go, let's do it." And there we are. Here we are. Came out about uh, two months ago. I think two months ago today, actually. Happy anniversary. Well, congratulations on that. And how was it for you who have a label to do an album with another label? How did that work? Well, I had some experience signing a band that you guys are probably familiar with. Uh, pirate metal band called, exactly, Swashbuckle. Um, I did basically the same thing. I released their first album, and then Nuclear, uh, Nuclear Blast came a call and wanted to release their second album. And it made me think that, you know, since then, Swashbuckle's toured the world, you know, two, three times over. They've been in and out of the country. They've released two albums in Nuclear Blast, and it kind of raised their profile. And Nuclear Blast did what uh, I couldn't do for Swashbuckle, put them on tour, get them, you know, get them the exposure that they deserved. And we felt that Metal Blade could do the same thing for Return to Earth, except this time it was my band, so we felt like we had more creative control over what we wanted to do. And we kind of went into that with the knowledge that whoever we worked with or whoever wanted to work with us would have to be cool with that. And, and Metal Blade has been very cool with that. So we're happy with the partnership so far. Very cool. Cool. And as far as the world of cue ball goes, do you have anything going on right now? Any more projects with Bumblefoot or anything like that? Well, ever since Bumble uh, went on the road with Guns N' Roses, it's been very difficult for me to um, put an entire album worth of material out. So what I decided is to make life easier for him. The guy mixes my stuff, he masters my stuff, he engineers my stuff, he plays records on my stuff, he sings backing vocals. Uh, he's the unsung you know, partner in cue ball. Um, I decided let me keep things fresh and do a song a month, very collaborative project in the sense that I wanted to work with different people this time around. I did a, a couple of songs with some old bandmates and then I recently did a song with Bumblefoot that we released called Sinful Nuns that came out digitally uh, this past month in September and I'm about to release a new single with Chris and Brett from Return to Earth, cue ball song called The Night Stalker, In Time for Halloween. Uh, which is coming out um, on Thursday. Is this live? Because if it's not, it'll be out by the time you hear this, God damn it! Yeah, no, this will go up after Halloween. And I know you said you're working with other people. Uh, I just wanted you to keep astronomy John in mind. Astronomy. He, is, he is available if you'd like him on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I would love... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right, fine, you're out then. I was already. We would have hey, done one right here. Astronomy is available for anything... <laughs> Guitar playing, bar mitzvahs, drumming, singing, hanging out, anything you might need. I am available. I am very good or at paperwork price. and organization. Well, the idea was to kind of light a fire under my own ass and light a fire under the ass of fellow musicians and photographers and artists and stuff like that. And it's been real fulfilling so far because I got Return to Earth. It's kind of my real world band. And cue ball, I can kind of play by my own rules and this is these are the rules that I'm playing by right now and the songs are coming out really good I'm real happy with the way things are going Cuba I gotta ask you where did you record the new return to earth stuff we uh, went up uh, Chris rehearses up in a in a studio up in Dover New Jersey called backroom studios we tracked the drums there we tracked the vocals there but mainly it was still very much a DIY project we delivered a full album to metal blade and they were thrilled about that because they didn't have to pay for the recording costs but um 
you know, we take pride in the fact that in today's digital day and age, we're pretty self-sufficient and we put out a pretty good product without the benefit of a huge budget. So Now, do you have a studio in your own apartment or house? Uh, I just moved. I bought a house in Staten Island. I have a studio, like a little one-room studio down in my apartment, in my house, in my basement. Brett has a studio in his basement in his house. And, of course, Bumblefoot has his setup in Princeton, New Jersey. So there's no, there's no uh, loss of available spaces to record some quality music if we need to. It's all about doing it on our own. We don't... We don't do things with exorbitant costs, and the model for how to release a record nowadays is different than it was, as I'm sure you guys know, right. five, even two, three years ago, as far as you know, breaking the bank to, to put out something. So, Now, you mentioned Swashbuckle earlier. You released their first record, and they've gone on. Uh, Nuclear Blast was their second record, right? Uh, what, what, uh, what was the name of that record? This, um, bringing Scurvy Back, right? Bringing Scurvy Back a single. was a single from Back to the Noose, which was their second album. And they just released a new album on Nuclear Blast called Crime Always Pays. And I stay in touch with those guys sporadically. I just spoke to their original drummer who was on the, in the band when I signed them. He's trying to me to get to sign their new project. So Ball Freak Music is about just keeping it in the family. Between Bumblefoot, the guys in Return to Earth, the guys in Swashbuckle, we... You know, we're always collaborating, we're always doing things together, kind of create our own little army of musicians, our own band of merry men, so to speak. And it's, it's you know, it's not a full-time job, but it's a really, really time-occupying second job for me, so. Kind of like talking metal is for yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. Lately, there's been not much payment from it. Ron, I got a question for you. We used to live in the same neighborhood, Newport, Jersey City, where talking metal you know, got its start, and uh, how's it living in Staten Island in an actual house? I mean, congratulations to you. I love it, man. I, I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn, and I'm used to being surrounded by people and, and being attached on all sides, and I was just sick of it. When I moved to Jersey City, which, ironically, I was there earlier today, right in your neck of the woods, and um, I kind of had that feeling of deja vu that it was more of like a yuppie sort of environment for me, which again is not my speed. Uh, Staten Island is kind of like the suburban Brooklyn, as far as I'm concerned. I got more space, I'm not attached on either side. I have my basement, which is strictly Ball Freak Music headquarters. I have people that, I have staff now, people come and go around. They have the, I have a separate entrance in the back and people come and we do the mailings and we, we, do, we have meetings and I make my music down there. And it's just nice and quiet. You know, I have a wife and a dog, and it's really, I'm done. I'm in my mid-30s now, and I don't need the, the, the noise and the nonsense anymore. I'm real happy where I am. And are you still doing work in the radio business? I know you were doing some FM work for a while with actually some pretty big-name people, but are you still still doing that stuff? Uh, my my quote-unquote day job is um, I produce for a syndicated morning show here in New York City, Elvis Duran in the Morning Show. I've been doing it. I've been working in radio for 13 years, basically since I graduated from college. And my job with Elvis is a great opportunity for me to kind of hone my skills as far as engineering goes. I work in Pro Tools every day, and I get a lot of celebrities walk in and out the door. Maybe not the same world that I live in, but it's kind of like um, a daily homework assignment where I kind of see how things work on that level and how the culture of radio and the music business still exists on that level and I take my notes and 
I kind of apply it to my own world of independent crazy rock and pop and metal that I'm dealing with. Plus, obviously, it pays the bills. And that in today's economic climate, especially here in New York City, um, that's something you know. That's something that I'm I'm proud to still be doing after all this time. You know, it's interesting. I know you run your own label, and uh, a band like Accept, for example, who has sold through the course of their career, which dates back to probably '78 or something, has sold over, I think, nine, maybe it's 12 million records. Let's say 12 million records. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what their publicist told me recently. But their new record came out. Uh, they had this guy Andy Snipe produce it, who's this great metal producer. Uh, the album is actually very, very, very good. It doesn't have Udo, so it's it's not the original lineup, but it's still a great accept record done in their traditional metal uh, style. It sold less than 2,000 copies its first week out in the States. Uh, is is it is? I can't imagine they made a profit on this. I would think they probably lost money on the record. Is it possible for musicians to make money I mean obviously Lady Gaga's making money but your average musician is it possible to make money not performing live but selling music anymore as a label guy can you answer that question you know I went out to um, LA a couple of months ago Brian Slagle of Metal Blade invited me out with a bunch of industry players from booking agents to promoters to label guys to agents to people like me who are running their own little business on the side and that was a question that the predominant question that came up was how can we monetize our bands in today's day and age and it's a real struggle now it's the the, the game has changed it's there's that very small window you mentioned Lady Gaga and I live in that world with my radio job where I see the ushers and the Lady Gagas and the machine that that has been churning out bands like that it's still going strong, but it's diminished so much. And for metal bands and for hard rock bands and bands that aren't getting support on the radio, aren't touring their balls off, um, it's very difficult. I made a lot of money doing licensing for Q-Ball, and that's kind of how I started the label back in 2005. Now the learning curve is that everybody knows about the licensing. Everybody knows you can sell your song to a, to a video game company or... Uh, to Apple or to a car commercial and that's where the money is or get you get your song on a movie soundtrack and it's it's hard to do that cold you don't you, know, you have to know people you have to be able to present it to somebody without being a complete stranger to them and the answer to your question is yes there is a way but it's becoming increasingly difficult to find out how to do it um, to me having my radio job having a label, having two bands, it's almost like, let me see how much shit I can throw at the wall and see what sticks, and maybe one thing can complement the other, and so on and so forth. And slowly but surely, these projects are kind of serving the other projects to the point where, listen, the label's not folding. I'm not declaring bankruptcy. I'm not sleeping on a bed of money at night, but, you know, we made it the Return to Earth album on a shoestring budget. We got a nice advance from Metal Blade. And we sunk that money back into making what will hopefully be another record or two. And at this point, that's all I really care about. I want to be able to keep making music without having to sink into my own pocket and break my piggy bank. Um, as far as Accept goes, you know, you're talking about bands that are on a different world and a different, you know, landscape than I am in the sense that these are heritage rock bands. 
and you guys deal with those bands all the time, that your fans are those bands. Judas Priest and, you know, Yes is touring without, without, without the lead singer, and they're still calling themselves Yes. I mean, I don't know if they're making money. Journey singing with a little, a little Filipino guy singing in Journey. And yet, you know, they're playing. They're still viable and they're still vital. People are still buying the music. It, you know, for a guy like me who's, who doesn't have that, you know, take Nine Inch Nails and Radiohead bands like that who've been around before they decided to start giving their music away for free. You know, they have that advantage that I don't have. So it's a struggle, man, but it's, I'm still waiting to find out what, something's got to give, you know. At some point, something's going to implode and we're going to find out what the next opportunity to make money is. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know if that's going to be next year. It's going to be 30 years, you know, but eventually that will happen for sure. I got a question for Ron, and I don't want you to give away your trade secrets, but I really admire the fact that you broke into soundtracks and movies and all this stuff early on, and how did that come about? Uh, I owe a lot of that to our friend Bumblefoot, who um, when I started putting the Cue Ball albums out, he... Um, he already had struck some deals with Bun & Murray, which is a company that produces a lot of the MTV shows like Real World Real World, and uh, you know, Battle of the Sexes and all that stuff. And um, seeing as he's, he was intimately involved in the project, you know, he suggested that I send it along to his people. And um, since then, that's really been my motto is to basically licensing first. I could put the album out on iTunes just like anybody else. I can stream a song on MySpace, I could get a record in a mom-and-pop record store, but at the end of the day, that's not going to make my investment back for a recording, whereas, you know, with the, with the licensing situation, I might strike lightning here or there, a commercial here, a soundtrack there, uh, you know, and then you get royalties, and if you're all buttoned up with your ASCAP and your BMI and you know what you're doing with, with SoundExchange and CSAC, and you know the business and the things, if you throw enough darts at the wall, hopefully you'll hit a bull, bullseye every once in a while, and put some money in your pocket and that's really what it's all about for independent musicians right now is being able to maintain you know excellent cool well Q-Ball we'd love to get into some new music right now from Return to Earth what would you like to play for the uh, Talking Metal listeners uh, let's try um, Night of the Exploding Razors is one of my favorites from the uh, from the album it's kind of got uh, an anthemic Fate No More sort of vibe I wrote the um, the lyrics to this one and it's the, uh, the, the refrain is, you, we got to get it right this time, and that's kind of the theme of the album and the theme of my musical career is just trying to reinvent ourselves and trying to figure out the best way to kind of break out to the masses. And this is, this is the best album that I've ever been a part of, the best band that I've ever been a part of. Chris is obviously you know, an immensely talented drummer, and he's a big influence on a lot of drummers, young drummers out there. And we really had a lot of fun making this record, and we really tried to outdo ourselves and... This is, this is an album that has been getting some good press. Hopefully it will catch some fire. And, you know, thanks to guys like you, we got to get it right this time. Let's hope we do it. So, yeah, I'm going to have some beer. Cool. Night of the Exploding Razors here on the Talking Metal Podcast. Check out the new issue of Revolver Magazine for an article on Return to Earth.
We are checking out here from uh, Smith's in Midtown Manhattan. We wanted Smith's Bar, where the men are men and the women are too. <laughs> uh, Bud Friendly is always the guy that knows what's going on. Sometimes astronomy can't see very well, so he may not notice that the women are women or maybe men. <laughs> All righty. Just kidding, guys. Well, anyways, let's get into some new music by Firewind. This is a song called Chariot by Gus G and Firewind. And before we do that, just real quick, again, a big thanks to Ed down in Kentucky for looking over our hard drive. Hopefully it, it works yeah, out thank for the you, best. Ed. And I wanted to give a shout-out to Max in the U.K. who sent me an email. He and some of his schoolmates have been digging the Talking Metal podcast. So thanks, Max, for uh, listening. Thank we you, Max. Appreciate the support and thanks for spreading the word. Uh, and also, a big shout out to uh, Nurgle from Behemoth. He was uh, a former guest on Talking Metal. Great guy. I remember hanging out with him yeah, on his, uh, amazing. his tour bus at OzFest back a few years ago. He is uh, suffering from leukemia. He's fighting it. He is confident that he is going to uh, pull through and is is uh, made it clear that he is still faithless, and uh, you know he's doing this on his own. But he's gonna he's gonna fight it. So uh, good luck if to you. If anybody uh, could beat this, it's Nurgle. Yeah, definitely. And Without a doubt, note, uh, we will uh, maybe play some Bohemoth in a uh, future episode. Well, let's end with Chariot by the band Firewind. Go buy Return to Earth on iTunes or at your CD store. There they are out in Metal Blade. We're going to have links up in today's show notes. Of course, they open your iTunes and take you directly to the Return to Earth page. And they also, uh, we get a little kickback on that. So it's a good way to support Talking Metal. You can also buy a t-shirt in our store section on TalkingMetal.com. And I guess that's it, right, John? Yeah, absolutely. Guys, thanks for listening. And I want to send another thanks out to Ron from Return to Earth. Thanks again, Ron. Thank you, you metal maniac. No glasses today? They are on here. They're right here. They are. All right. Just checking. Still have them with us. And Bud Friendly, thank you again for being the main man behind Talking Metal. Yeah, and thanks for thank those. Thank you very much. We got, I, some new, <laughs> we got some new Bud Friendly intros that we will yeah, uh, absolutely. Be, thank you. be debuting shortly. Uh, again, this is Chariot by Firewind.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.